How do you honor God? By doing everything to the glory of God. Not just not sinning, not just, okay, you don't steal from people, but by making good shoes. If we're going to talk about you were a new creation, that means everything has to change. Why does God not just, you know, bring people to heaven immediately after being saved? It's because there's stuff to do here. There's a point to all of this. And if we're Christians, we do it better, or at least in theory. But if we really apply the standard that's set in scripture, then we know that no one is good because no one is God. We serve a storyteller. We serve a, a God who has a perfect plan, a sovereign will for every moment of history. It's not about going into the world to make artists. It's about going into the world to make disciples. Hello, hello. Dang it. This is the Christian artist, honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Connor. My name is Caleb. And also the re main reason I said dang it is because the overlays weren't in the right places. Oh. And that's just embarrassing for me. I I should know enough. I literally, it's so frustrating. Okay, so Connor, I have uh, this. Car Carly, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you just said it, so. Sorry. Well, you messed up the intro. You got to finish the intro before you complain about the overlays. <sighs> Do we want to just retry this? Do we have any uh, current uh, watchers? Yes. Then no, we're <laughs> sticking with it. All right. I was just going to say, I have this thing. I, I, use, I can use um, a Chrome remote desktop now to like control my computer from anywhere. Uh, and so... Right before I left work today, I made sure that all of the stuff was ready to go for the stream so I wouldn't have to touch it. And still, like even the, even with all that advanced preparation, I apparently didn't think to make sure that the overlays were in the right place. You even asked me about the overlays. I know. I know. Don't know what I'm thinking anymore. Even, even with remote control technology. I've lost my mind. <laughs> So uh, speaking of losing my mind, um, no, there's no segue there. I just, oh, no, there is a segue. Wait a second. Wait a second. Speaking of losing my mind, I have been losing my mind over Rhythm of War, Brandon Sanderson's new novel in the Stormlight Archive. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It. I finished it already. It took me eight days. Um, 1,200 pages just consumed, just absolutely consumed in the fires of my brain, and it was glorious. Um, speaking of things that we've been reading slash watching or otherwise enjoying, what about you guys? I've been reading Rhythm of War. Connor needs to read Oathbringer. Isn't that uh, 1,600? Or not 1,600. Isn't that 1,300 pages? Isn't Oathbringer about 1,300 pages? I think so. I think it's more towards 1,300, yeah. I think I'm like 800 or so pages in, so it'll be three years before I finish it, I think. <laughs> well, you'll be just in time for the fifth Stormlight Archive book Exactly. <laughs> and then I'll be able to wrap up the first half section. That's true. That's kind of its own story arc, yeah. is, is he saying? So mm -hmm. I'm. that's kind of the trajectory I'm going for at this point. <laughs> All right. You at least have to have the Stormlight Archive, the first five books, finished by the time he writes the next Mistborn trilogy, which is going to be after Stormlight 5. Mm -hmm. Also, the Lost Metal is going to be coming out sometime in the next three years before the next Stormlight. No, that's what he said. Yeah, and I'll probably finish that, in, you know, 
before I finish Oathbringer, to be honest. I mean, yeah, it's, there's like it's gonna be like 300 pages, so <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, well, it's gonna be harder for me to be able to read those books though, because you won't buy them, and then oh, I'll be like, oh, fair. I have to buy them myself. That's just oh, not the kind of guy that I am. Just I, ha- I but I'll have them on audiobook, and you can just listen yeah. to my audiobook because we all share this. I might do that. Audio, yeah. Audible account. Yeah. Come on. Come on. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> Um, um, I've been watching uh, *Parasite: The Maxim*, the anime yeah, with uh, yeah. Mickey, um, because she hasn't hasn't seen it. I think it's my third watch through. It could be my fourth. I'm not sure. But uh, *Parasite*, I, I, watching it this next time, it might take the place of favorite anime above *Death Note*. It might. I really? uh, I, I got wow. to I got to the points. I got to the point where we're like two thirds of the way through where uh, um, Parasite Lady, and this is, okay, this is, I'll try not to be spoilery with this, but uh, if uh, you've already you, done you like, it. you've already spoiled it. There's a Parasite Lady. What? So if you uh, um, like Parasite or not like Parasite, if you're currently watching Parasite or think you should watch it in the future, it's a great anime. Um, skip like a minute and you'll be fine. But uh, um the where the uh parasite lady uh has her kid and she's shielding it you know what i'm talking about kill what kill sorry i was what? reading a meme what you what you doing bro <laughs> <laughs> so you know you know like two-thirds of the way through the series where uh uh par- parasite lady uh-huh. rick altamara yeah, she has her baby and she's like protecting it. And yeah, like gives it to Shinichi. Yeah, that ah, uh, that whole moment where he like realizes again his uh like emotional connection as a human, and thinks about his own mom. Mm. Yeah, 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 and is finally able to cry. Mm. Is just it's so moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so yeah, moving yeah. and it's so beautiful. And I was over there just like tears streaming down my face, and uh, Mickey was in front of me and she was like are you crying and like she just like had no emotional reaction whatsoever and it was, it was interesting because the first time i watched it i had no emotional reaction either to well not necessarily no emotional reaction but like i didn't quite catch all yeah. of the dialogue so i was like trying to go back and figure out like what was said like what is exactly happening here and i like didn't catch all the nuance and so like watching it through again you catch that nuance and you're just like oh this is such a beautiful scene and, and uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal and you get so excited about all the scenes and the fight scenes. And I'm just like, ah, I, this might, this might take the cake as my favorite anime. I'm just not sure yet. You it's gotta so watch good, Death though. Note again. I did. That's, that's the reason I say that is that oh. um, Mickey and I just finished Death Note. That was the show. That was the anime I got her to watch. Mm. And then we finished One Tree Hill and then we went over to uh, um, Parasite. So I, I'm like fresh out of Death Note going into parasite and i'm like i don't know i mean let's be real you have have like 15 seasons of one tree hill in between those two things no there was like maybe three or four seasons really between yeah we we were we were yeah we were already like halfway through or so might might even been more than halfway through maybe two way through to the way through before we uh finished death note finally Mm. so but uh yeah because i think we finished that in august or september or something like that mm-hmm. i think we were on season six around that time too but anyway um carly have you been consuming any uh 
art or anything interesting besides Avatar, which is what we're talking about later? Uh, well, I also read Rhythm of War. Oh, okay, yeah. You uh, finished it? Yep. Yeah, I we finished it. Uh, well, I guess I finished it on Saturday. And I um, finished it on Thursday. Yeah. Um, I guess I technically, mean? yeah, I finished it Thursday at 2 a.m. <laughs> so... Anything um, else? We've been, we've been watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah, we haven't watched any in a while, but yeah, we have been watching that. Um, I haven't honestly been consuming that much content. You've been a hardworking <laughs> student. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. 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 Um, well, speaking of the thing that we are going to talk about then... Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Carly and I just finished Avatar The Last Airbender as the, the show that we were watching. Me for the first time. Yes, Carly for the first time, which yeah. is why I suggested this as the topic of our episode. Um, but Connor, yeah, Connor thought it might be good to just kind of like, you know, briefly kind of reference what, we're, what we've been up to and stuff like that. And I, I feel like that's probably a good way to kind of intro episodes from here on out is just to talk about that sort of thing. Um, but we don't see each other in person anymore. So yeah. it'd be nice to just kind of catch up a yeah. little bit on the podcast. I feel like that makes it feel more natural. Yeah, yeah I like that idea. Um, if you had, if you had framed uh, it that way when you had initially said it, that would have made a lot more sense. But Oh, well, it's fine. It, it worked out. It worked, yeah. Except for, the, except for the intro. That didn't work out, and that's your fault. No, it is my fault. It's fine. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. But uh, um, another, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we get into it is yeah, um, I've been reading a book over the course of a long period of time, obviously, because it's me. Um, but uh, it's called Humble Calvinism, and uh, it's written by uh, J.A. Metters. And it's so fascinating because he says a lot of great things, and he's really funny. Um, a, lot, a lot of really interesting, um, a lot of inter- very interesting dialogue. He's 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 young. I think he's probably like twenty or thirty, somewhere in that range. Um, and he just. He is just such an interesting person that has some really interesting insights into Calvinism and uh, the topics themselves. And he's a five-point Calvinist, so he he goes into all the details. And I just finished him talking about limited atonement and all this stuff. And he's got some really great things to say. And yet, as I was kind of like thinking through this and as we've been kind of talking about other stuff on the podcast too, um, and just... And, and like uh, uh, the top, the episode we did on women and feminism, that kind of thing. Um, it's just interesting because I feel like um, Jay and Metters kind of falls into the same realm of his his Christianity has like been feminized by oh, yeah. the American church in, in the sense that uh, um, he, he takes this approach that the whole point of the book of humble Calvinism is and if I know the five points, but have not love. And so he's going through all of this, all, all these ideas. And, um, but the main point of it is focused around Calvinists are angry, arrogant jerks most of the time. And we earn that reputation and we need to be nice, loving Calvinists and believe our theology. And I'm like, okay, I love the, we need to believe our theology part of it. But the approach he's taking is like, don't stand for, biblical truth yeah. don't take a don't don't divide ever with christians over these biblical truths um you know these things aren't important he says his church will teach calvinism but you don't have to believe calvinism to be a member 
those types of things. And it's like, it's like, at what point do you believe your theology? Not because right. um, you're not being nice enough to people because you're not taking a hard enough stance on this truth mm-hmm. in order to say that you also believe that this is what the Bible says. And so it's just been very interesting. And I wanted to kind of just bring that up and, and talk about that. But Humboldt Calvin is a very interesting read. I'd recommend it to, uh, you know, like young, restless and reformed yeah. young men yeah. who um, like can't. Are deep in the throes of cage stage Calvinism. Yeah, deep in the throes of cage stage Calvinism, which I, I still will say that you and I both skipped the cage stage, but I think people, a lot of people disagree. But uh, I, I um, think our cage stage was mild and short compared to others that I've seen. Um, but I think we, we definitely did have it. I, I know I had it. and you... I definitely had a cage stage. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, See, I, I, I feel I, like I, but, but, the, but then also I, you know, go, going off through, with your point, I feel like there's a lot of people who probably still think I'm in the cage stage. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, there, it's, where yeah, there, the, I can, I can name some people. Exactly. That right. Think I'm in the cage stage it's like, sure. where does the cage stage end and just standing solidly on the word of God begin? It's like, <laughs> yeah. and, that, and, that, and that's kind of, that's kind of the, yeah. the issue I think with this yep. book is the cage stage Calvinism people think is when you take such a hard stand on the word of God that you are not willing to compromise with believers who are maligning God and maligning scripture. And if, and if you don't, if you don't compromise with those people, you're compromising um, your Christianity and compromising biblical unity. And so all I want to do is, is just sit down in a room with this guy and be like, can you talk about the other side of this? Can you talk about encouraging young men to be men and take a stand on the word of God rather than feminize them by saying, if you get into an argument with somebody, you're being failed. Yeah. You failed. (laughs) Uh, You know, if, if, if somebody hates you because you believe Calvinism, wow, you failed. It's like, not necessarily. Yeah. No. uh, You know, and, and you just look at the life of Jesus and he's got these crowds following him and he doesn't turn around and, preach off Calvinism, he, he, he turns around and starts talking about a, a, a less important matter. He says, if you don't eat me and drink me, you, you shouldn't follow me. And I'd say, I'd say uh, the nuance of communion is probably less important than the sovereignty of God. I mean, maybe that's an arguable thing. Maybe those are comparable. <laughs> maybe those are on the same level of tertiary or secondary. Or obviously, those would be primary, probably. But um, the, no, I think it's, no, I think sovereignty of God is primary, and then to to a point, and then yeah, to communion, a point. If if the you're nuance of communion, if you're an open secondary, I was gonna say if you're an open theist, and you know, you're that's a heretic. A, yeah, a heretic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but right. Arminian, not a heretic, but you're still right. wrong. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just interesting because it's like, you know, we have these these pictures of Jesus, not these pictures. We have these, these passages of scripture where Jesus just turns around and just says the most theologically incomprehensible thing he could possibly say to a group of individuals and they all leave and he's like, good riddance. Yeah. And then we just move on. And it's like, I take a stand on Calvinism and I say, uh, no, I'm not going to say that you're not saved, which I think is where somebody's in cage stage is when yes. they stop thinking that certain people are saved, which yep. I don't think we ever did. Nope. Which is why at the very most we had a mild cage exactly. stage, but, yeah. um, 
when you start in a, in a um, saying that if a Calvinist takes a stand and says, you know what, this is right. This is what the Bible says, and I'm not going to compromise on it. And I think that anybody who believes differently is wrong and they need to repent. And I mean, we all take that stand as Calvinists. Yeah. Um, are we going to disassociate ourselves with the people that are Armenians? No. I mean, yeah. but, but I'd still say that you're wrong and you need to repent. Yeah. And I feel comfortable saying that. And mm-hmm. people would, people would say, no, you're doing something wrong. And I would say, no, you have a feminine view of man. And that's just, yeah. that's just the way it is. So that's just been interesting. It's, no. it's just been interesting kind of uncovering more of the culture of the American church yeah. with this book. And it's just like, I see where we're all wrong now. And it's, and it's literally, it's feminism has crept into the church. Yep in ways that are so indecipherable from, from how what, our church culture is. Yeah. yeah that exactly. it's like, I didn't realize that we had feminized the position of man in the church too. Yep. And now I have to separate those things. And that's just interesting. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, just going off of what you just said real quick, um, the, even though this is not, this is an episode about Avatar Lester Bender, but here we are talking about Calvinism yeah. as we well, do. It's, it's just fun. We have, we have our own rabbit trails. Might as well have our own scheduled rabbit trails. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but like I have seen that exact phenomenon, I think with a lot of people who say that they're reformed air quotes who say that they believe Calvinism and then it's very obvious by everything they do in their lives, they don't actually believe what they say they believe. Um, right. Because if you actually believed reformed theology, everything about your Christianity would drastically and irreversibly change um, because it's that profound and different from American Christianity. And so if you try to have one one you know foot on one side of the fence where it's like ah evangelicalism yes of comfortable american christianity and then one side on the other side of the, one foot on the other side of the fence um where you say oh but i i love calvin and i love john piper and, and aren't i cool that i can like the, read really big theological books and in in private say i believe them and then and and maybe even in Bible studies, you know, with with other people who also think Calvinism is cool, talk about it and say, yes, I believe that thing. And then us, you know, people who, you know, try to from bottom to top completely reform their Christianity from American evangelicalism to true biblical reform Christianity. When we when we say, hey, what about this ecclesiology? ecclesiology thing isn't that wrong what what about this thing about the church isn't that not good based on reformed theology what about this thing isn't that bad why are you still touting that as good and then they get really offended really quickly and then it's really hard to tell whether or not they actually believe calvinism in any way because their life doesn't show it, right? And, and and I say Calvinism, but I mean, like, when you stand on the word of God, your life needs to change. And if it doesn't, you don't believe the word of God. And yeah, there you go. There's a subtweet. <laughs> I, I think right. that's a... Typically, when people proclaim themselves as a Calvinist, usually, at least to actual Calvinists, that means, oh, you're, you know, seeking to go back to what scripture actually says about salvation. Yeah. And so that usually hints at, oh, you want to reform your faith. 
so when someone doesn't necessarily want to change everything or at least look at everything in the life because it's like oh i just want to hold on to the five points mm-hmm. and i don't want to look at other areas of my faith that i am comfortable with and yep. don't want to change exactly yep i think uh I think the last line that you said, Caleb, I think we could uh, take that and make that into the, the new intro, like the uh, season two of the season five or whatever, uh, you know, you know, the next, the next season, we can kind of change up yep. the intro. We can take that little bit there. Of, if you stand on the word of God, your life should change. And if you, your life doesn't change, you're not standing on the word of God. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's pretty good. But uh, yeah. And, and uh, just another, another little, uh, little, note there a little asterisk next to what you said if you're because you uh just because you specified oh there's a subtweet there uh you know if anybody is like oh yo like look look at the christian artists i mean they're 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 gossiping without without naming names <laughs> it's like first of all if you hate reformed theology you hate naming names so you should you should be happy <laughs> but secondly any anybody where we should be we are supposedly subtweeting uh we we've we've attempted to have conversations with them and, and they refuse so just yeah. just throwing that aside just mm-hmm. putting that out there save, save our reputation here you know if we, don't, so in we case have we get a emails that, uh, no well our reputation is we're cage stage calvinists <laughs> sure. Sure. But, uh, but anyway um yeah in case anybody was like wow you need to obey matthew 18 you know get some emails later which we won't get already emails, done but... <laughs> We yeah we've tried to practice Matthew. We don't get emails ever. So. No, yeah, we don't get emails. So what, whatever. But anyway, uh, so Avatar. So I, I, I I've been I need to get a haircut as you all can see. But okay. I think it's great that uh, I think it's Providence honestly that uh, I didn't get a haircut because uh, we could kind of. I mean, this is like the Zuko it's haircut the Zuko right hair. here. I mean, this is I mean this is yeah. pretty long, you know. It it's, needs to be just a little bit longer, maybe. It's not quite uh, as long as the beach episode. That's um, what I was about to say. I don't think either of our hair has ever <laughs> no. been that long. No, never, never as long as the beach episode. But it's been close, I think, for me. Yeah, it's been it's been close for the beach episode, but no, not quite. Oh, I've had headphones on my shoulder this whole time. <laughs> I didn't notice. Good, but yeah, I would try the last Edmonder. Um, Carly and I finished watching it just recently, and uh, Carly had that was her first time watching it, and. Uh, I, I I really wanted Carly to watch it, uh, and and you Connor, you watched it with Mickey for the first time, right? Oh yeah, I guess I guess that was the show. That was another show we watched. Yeah, I think we finished Death Note and then finished Avatar, and then finished One Tree Hill and then started Parasite. Yeah, that's something. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, I yeah we we loved it. Mickey loved it. Um, I wanted Mickey to be on this episode. But she's got homework to do. So, uh, but I kind of want to hear Carly's perspective of it first yeah. before we kind of talk in depth about it. Yeah. In case, in case we alter her opinion in somehow, or in some way, not in somehow. What? Yeah, I mean, it was great. I, like, I didn't expect to like it that much, I think. I mean, I had high expectations. I hyped because, it up a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I've just heard great things about it from anyone that I've talked to about it. Um, but I, knowing myself and how much I tend to kind of get bored of, um, typical animated shows, um, I mean, that are specifically geared toward, toward kids anyway, like, I was very surprised that it hooked me as much as it did, um, and I, like, didn't get bored of it, I don't think at any point, like, 
it just kept getting more and more interesting. Yeah, it was it was funny to to notice the point where you were irreversibly committed to finishing the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we had been going back and forth between Avatar Last Airbender and um, uh, Gilmore Girls, uh, kind of on and off. Like, Avatar was our serious show, and Gilmore Girls was our comfort show. Um, and then we so we kept switching on and off between that. And Io, of course, preferred watching Avatar. Carly preferred preferred watching Gilmore Girls. And then there came that switch when we got to a certain <laughs> point in season two when Carly was like, "We should watch Avatar." And I was like, "Yes, perfect." Was that right after Zuko alone? It was pretty close okay. after that. I think. Yeah, it was around that part of season two. I think. Um. But yeah, I adore that show so much. Carly, what was your favorite season? The last one. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best season. Uh, some people say season two, and season two has a, fant- a lot of fantastic stuff going for it. But mm-hmm. season three has just so many character art completions that are so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's the way to do an ending season well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Specifically because the, the, the creators of the show, like, planned this series as three books and like had like a specific plan for how the show is to to end instead of just like you know keep you keep going until you just decide to end it there was like a very distinct beginning middle and end and it was very satisfying yeah avatar um is there any other stuff that we can ask carly about her like first impressions that we can get from her before we start digging into it oh i didn't mute myself i hope it didn't bother my i was chewing i didn't hear anything that's perfect. Anyway, I was going to ask Carly, who's your favorite character? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it's between Zuko and Katara, but I think it lands in Katara because I relate to her more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, Zuko's overall character arc, I think, was the best Yeah, out of all of the characters. Agreed. Agreed. Um, there was definitely moments where Katara would do things, and I would just look at Carly and just be like, <laughs> that's you. <laughs> Not really? All, not all the time, but but there would be moments yeah. where I was like, "Wow, the the way she did that—that that was Carly." I feel like Katara is fascinating. I feel like Katara is very Mickey though, too. Um, mm. No, really, I see Mm-mm. that. I, I mean, see that. I'm not married to her, but <laughs> just I, I think I projected that a little bit just because I am a hundred percent ang in every aspect in every regard as a 12 year old connor i am i am i yep. like like i am exactly who ang is as 12 and 13 yep. like we are that was connor yeah we are he's my spirit animal as a 12 year old boy yep i i uh my yeah uh, avatar state yip yip um, I mean. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's, I, I, I feel like that's what I projected. I want to put that in the new intro too. Just, just Avatar <laughs> State. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, <laughs> just thinking of that episode. No, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Ember Island players, man. Uh, good episode. Uh, anyway, um, so then there came. Uh, uh, there came. I think. I think. Uh, I thought Mickey was a bit like, not quite, but a bit like Katara in season one and season two, but I didn't find her any, not really like Katara in season, excuse me, in season three. I could see that. I thought in season three, I, 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 I don't love Katara season three. 
I love Katara season one and season two. I don't love Katara season three. And I realized that in season three. I can agree with um, that. And, it, and, it's inter- and now we're kind of getting into all these different things, but it, it's it's a natural overflow of the conversation. So I'm okay with it. But um, going from season one and season two, Katara, I like liked her. And then in season three, I felt like she like became like angsty mm-hmm. and like, she, she had, like became season one Zuko in a weird way. A little bit. <laughs> and But I and, think honestly, a lot of that was predicated by Zuko's arc in the third season. Like, I feel like that yes. was a natural reaction to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to spoil anything, but you know, to, to what Zuko did. Oh, no, I, 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 think I feel spoilers like, yeah, I feel like the point, statute of limitations I mean, has passed on our last year. But let's, let's, yeah, before we actually too. get into any spoilers, let's, let's real briefly, if you don't know what Avatar is, you probably, I mean, we've, we've recommended it at this point. We really like it. We have. Um, we should actually say a few words about it before we like get into any sort of spoiler territory, just to like give a, a brief, I, I'm not going to necessarily explain what Avatar is exactly. You can Google that. Um, but Avatar <laughs> The Last Airbender, um, fantastic fantasy show, uh, heavily influenced by like Asian mythology and Asian um, like martial arts, uh, Asian culture. Uh, various Asian cultures um, and uh, very highly recommended as a kid show and as a show that adults can watch and enjoy. Uh, first season is obviously a little bit more kiddish just by the virtue of that sort of sort of show, but it, it, it matures as it goes on. It matures with its audience in a lot of ways. Um, highly recommended. We really like it a lot. If you are interested in fantasy at all as a genre, you'll like Avatar, I assume. Um, there's very few people I've met who haven't liked Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and the people I You've have... You've met people that haven't? I was going to say, I don't think I have met anyone, but if I did meet anyone like that, they would be wrong. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's probably a good idea that I haven't uh, met anyone like that. Well, if they said it was poor storytelling and poor writing, yeah, then they're wrong. Then they're wrong. But if yeah. they didn't like it, that's fine. That's their opinion. Yeah. It would be a wrong <laughs> opinion, but it would be their opinion. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Okay. So I was going to say, um, I think if you like martial arts japanese culture chinese culture uh kung fu if you like movies. anime you'll, you'll watch, yeah, you like you like this you, you'll you'll love avatar when i was a kid i was in martial arts and so when we would watch avatar i'd be like i know that move like <laughs> like i i did that today at karate and then i come uh-huh. home and i watch it somebody firebend with it instead of just doing a normal axe kick i mean or a crescent kick or whatever whatever they'd be doing i would like notice the different like mm-hmm. martial arts moves that i actually knew as a human being <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, they're using it to firebend. That's incredible. So it was it was awesome. Chat says, if you've met anyone like that, they've had the good sense to keep their lack of taste to themselves. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, but yeah, heavily influenced by martial arts. Basically, the you know, the general concept is, is it's a world that the magic of the world is you can use martial arts to various martial art forms, right, to control the elements. Um, and it's usually it's usually biological, right? Like you have to be born in a certain nation that has that type of bending uh, and then there's the avatar the who can use all four types of bending and is supposedly the bridge between the uh spirit and the the spirit world and the real world and is uh the material world and uh is uh there to uh what am i trying to say to make sure the world is balanced and people don't get too uppity on themselves and everything everyone's working together everybody's in harmony and uh yeah, that's the show. 
And the, the avatar in this particular era of the of the of the world is a 12-year-old kid named Aang. He's an airbender and he's fun. And so are the rest of the characters. A great cast, uh, very, very good characterization. Um, lots of fun characters. It's a good show uh, that kind of gets across the the whole concept of like, you know, kids being proactive and growing up and like doing stuff to change their world for the positive. Um, it's It shows like um, My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of the other one that was close to my mind but uh so and an avatar that go ahead i was just gonna say you you i know we've talked about this before right you you we had a long conversation while one point connor about my hero academia and like how mm-hmm. you know the mentors in that show are building up the next generation and all that stuff i, I watching avatar this time did we do a whole episode on that we did we did we a did. review um, on my, my hero, hero academia yeah. yeah one thing i realized is that avatar doesn't actually do as well a job of that as my hero does like one of the oh, yeah, I think, I flaws of Avatar is that I think the kids don't have as much adult direction as they should. Which is why Zuko has the best character arc exactly. because he has a Galairo. Yes. Which, which is, yeah. yeah. Which is why Zuko makes Avatar. Very Because true. he has yeah. the actual mentorship because he has the, he's, he's aware of his character flaws. Because Zuko of, is a liar and a scoundrel. <laughs> what? <laughs> At least that's how he started. <laughs> Get out of here, Mickey. Oh my goodness. All right, I'm going to take off my headphones so she can hear as well. And I hope, I brought let me know these. if there's an echo. Well, we don't have like a split splitter. We can just put one in. Oh, I see. Well, well let's just, let's just see it. That's you did last time. I'm sure. And I'll change the overlay slightly so that we have Mickey show up. I can scooch over Names too. now. Yeah, he can quit hogging the spotlight. <laughs> Jeez, I know, I know. What, what a, a turd. <laughs> Wait, where is it? Echo, echo. Let me mess up my Zuko hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. Like that's one of the things that I think uh, Avatar doesn't do good a job as uh, a good as a good of what am I trying as to say? Good a job. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> as my hero. Thank you. Yeah, as my hero. Yeah. Um. Peyton says hello to Mickey. Oh, Pey- hello, Peyton's Peyton. in chat. <laughs> it says hello to just Mickey. He says hi, Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of y'all are nubs. <laughs> For you, Carly. Um. <laughs> uh. But yeah. Right. Because yeah, of that whole um dichotomy there of not having the mentorship. Um, there, there was a lot more of like, you're, you're, you know, uh, competent kids. You can do whatever you can do, whatever you set your mind to go off and do your thing kids. And then the adults just leave them to like do their thing. And like, there's an aspect of that. That's cool. Right. It's like, yes, you know, they kids in one sense should be given the, you know, um, vote of confidence that that they can accomplish great things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But also the way that it comes across in a lot of episodes is like uh you guys are more competent than us and so we're just gonna let you handle it and that's not the way to to do that um because it's just not true right like uh kids are not going to be as competent as adults in similar situations uh because they don't have as much experience and obviously there's a natural talent that comes for a lot of things um but a lot of the times in 
Aang has four types of bending. <laughs> yeah, and obviously there's the difference there. And and that's yeah. why he was able to, spoiler alert, defeat the Fire Lord at the end of the show, right? Um, we, we already said spoilers were going to happen, so. Um, but right there, <laughs> I feel like one thing that Avatar could have done way better is making the adults more competent and finding a way to make it so that, you know, the kids could have their moments to shine and the things that they they could ha- they had to do on their own, but in a way that didn't make all the, like, cause there were several times, I think specifically like Sokka's dad co- pretty much always comes off as incompetent compared to most other yeah. people in the show. Yeah. Um, even like, I guess he's more competent than Sokka. Right. But that's because, <laughs> and, and, and I think part of the reason this happens in the show is that bending is such a one up on non-benders mm-hmm. that if you're a bender, as a kid, you're just more powerful than a non-bender adult, just by virtue right. of it. And and that's actually one. And this might be a longer conversation, but that's actually one of the things that makes magic and superheroes and stuff like that difficult to get right thematically sometimes, because in the real world, kids don't have magic powers. And <laughs> what? Right. And, and no, they have the power of 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 the magic of friendship and love. <laughs> yes. And love do. is love, Caleb. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. But but honestly, I think one of the things, the reasons, or one of the ways this comes across most, um, in a kind of damaging way sometimes is when women gets have superpowers and they're. All, they're yeah. more competent than all the men around them, right? I think that's why I didn't like Atar in season three. I think so. Yeah, I think that's why. And I think I think it, it, it like to kind of tie all these themes together as well. I mean, season three starts out with Katara just being a jerk to her dad, and yeah. her dad just takes yeah. it like, "Why are you mad at me?" Instead of being like, "How dare you talk to me that way? I'm your father." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah. like that's what Katara needs. She yep. needs male mentorship exactly. rather than woman empowerment Mm -hmm. because she her feelings were hurt yep and i was just like it's just yeah so i feel like i feel like that's where i don't like atar as much in season three but i I feel like that's not a flaw in the show i think that's just a flaw with katara i Mm. don't think they try to make katara seem better or like gooder than she is (laughs) i think they just i think katara's character just falls off in season three to be more of that kind of person and her character arc doesn't like close up as much, which is why they need to make a season four based off of the comic books to finish her character arc as well as Zuko's mom's character arc. I mean, the comics exist. You can just read them. I know. No, but I don't want to read them, Caleb. I can't why? read them and do the voices <laughs> myself. I need the action. I need I need all of it. I need the show. Yeah. All right. All right. Sure. Uh, it's not going to happen, Connor. I know. The, I mean, the, the voice actors are all... Zuko's mom? What? <laughs> exactly. They already have air, spirit, f- freedom, and like other things as books, names, and Korra. So it's like, where are you going to go? Don't listen to them. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. That That's one of the things, and people in chat are pointing out that too. That's one of the, one of the reasons that the live action Mulan film wasn't as good. Uh, is because oh, apparently okay. the Mulan in the live action film is way more super powered than Mulan in the original. Um, yep. and, and it's, it's just a difficulty because it, it just paints the world wrong. 
that's just not the way the world works, right? Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, I remember watching season one with Carly and and getting to the whole bit about um, the uh, the you know the, the northern waterbenders. The women only do healing, and the men only are the ones who do the fighting. Right. And like yeah. in the in that world, right? Because of the way that bending works it doesn't make any sense for the women to just heal, you know, because of the way the world works. But unfortunately that's not the way our world works. And so you're giving in this world. Exactly. You know, you're giving young women the wrong perception about what they should or should not aspire to. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, why is healing bad? <laughs> like healing is amazing. Yeah. There are the ability to heal people who have mortal wounds. Like that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what does Katara actually accomplish during that siege? Wouldn't she have been way <laughs> more effective in the battle as a combat medic? Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she could have she could have saved lives rather than just being like, right. "Oh, Zuko beat me." Now Aang is just being dragged away, and now, and I mean, she just like sat there to guard Aang for like what, like like hours and so it's like what did Katara actually accomplish like she's she has this big character arc of how she needs to be the one to fight and then she just accomplishes nothing during the siege and so it's like okay yeah <laughs> uh, right that's and, the sort of stuff that I start picking up. up to save the day the Jesus character Aang yeah I mean obviously <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things that I I've started picking up more and more the the more that we get and, and Connor, you what you were talking about earlier, right? The feminization of a lot of the stuff that we consume and is it in America? What are you, what what face are you making right now? I just had, a, I wow, I just had a realization. We can keep going, and I'll get back to it. But yeah, no, that, this ties, <laughs> this this ties in with everything we were talking about before with the humble Calvinism book exactly. and yeah, feminization of the church. That was mostly for Mickey's sakes that she can uh, be caught up to speed. She kind of knows what I'm talking about, I think. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Mickey, do you have any thoughts on the show as a whole? Like, what's what stuff you really enjoyed about it? Like, particular aspects? Um, I mean, I think they just did a really good job of like telling telling the story. Like, they just mm-hmm. are phenomenal storytellers, yeah. and like each episode, you just like would watch it and be like, oh. Like that was such a good episode. Like that was so complete. Like I teased Connor because when we were watching it, he's like, "This is my favorite episode. This is the greatest episode." And I was like, "Okay, oh, yeah, you said that last episode." Caleb did the same thing. <laughs> like, oh, the same this thing. Is such a good episode. And the next episode would come and be like, "Oh, another great episode." Yeah. <laughs> yep. I was like, ever since now, and it's like, yeah, it's like very true. It like, um, so I think it just does like a good job, um of that and then um like the characters like them staying like true to themselves throughout the whole like series and like um like they're there's not a lot in there but um but then like yes you made me lose my train of thought Uh, the characters stay true oh yeah and like yeah like you guys have been talking about like their like like their story arcs and stuff like that i feel like for the most part i felt satisfied like watching it through and being like oh yes that that is very like something that they would do and i feel satisfied with like this how this character ends minus you know they just leave you on the big <laughs> cliffhanger yeah of what yeah. the heck is up with zuko's mom <laughs> but... <laughs> there's comics that you can read to have it all explained to you caleb i don't read <laughs> oh right they're pictures, though. they're pictures yeah 
<laughs> as long as I can only look at the pictures, and, and Connor will call. read the uh, read the yeah, text I'll, to I'll you. The character voice as best as I can. Okay. Uh, I'll have to figure out how to do a talk voice. And what's it, up, Twinkle Toes? And and that's another reason, right? Like we all love Toph. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Toph is a really bad example of a, 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 a young lady to aspire being. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, really bad example. Yeah. Yeah. She has a poor attitude. <laughs> yeah, she has a poor attitude. And but at the same time, she's very wise. She is. And her, her character arc is true to her character, which I think is, yeah. I, think, mm-hmm. I feel like looking at Avatar as a kid's show helps in one regard because it's like, okay, this is a kid's show. This is aimed, um, you know, for a, a childlike audience. And so they'll find this scene more entertaining or they'll find this stupid thing. Sokka climbing in Appa's mouth. Yeah, I cabbage merchant. All <laughs> oh, those come things. On. That's they'll... amazing though. Oh yeah, it is. So, you know, they'll, they'll find these things entertaining. It makes more sense. And, and I feel like the show is more enjoyable whether as if they had intended for an adult audience, you'd be like, yeah, that show is kind of lacking. But uh, at the same time, because it's a children's show, you keep thinking about the the um, examples that the kids are setting. And at the same yeah. time, it's they're not Jesus characters. Mm-hmm. They're all yeah. actual people with actual flaws. And they don't complete their like fulfilled life at the age of 13 <laughs> when the show ends. Yeah. And right. like Toph doesn't realize that she needs to find herself a man and submit to... <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like okay obviously that can't be how the show ends because that's not possible yeah. because Toph is 12 or 13 or however old she is in the show and so you get catch this glimpse of where they are in their lives and i mean girls can try to aspire to be katara because she's a strong-willed woman and those types of things but that's not necessarily what the show is trying to do mm-hmm. because the, i mean the show gives you the zuko character and you're not supposed to be zuko <laughs> I mean, he has this horrible past and he overcomes that. And obviously he redeems himself, but, but like you, you don't watch the show and are like, each kid needs to pick one of these characters and be like them. Yeah. You know, they do some great things and accomplish some great things. There's a lot of good morals to it, but you don't, the show isn't being like every girl needs to be Katara because there are two yeah. female characters in the show. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. And so, or, or, I mean, Isuki as well, you know? So it's like, I don't, I don't think the show is trying to make perfect role models for people to follow as much as tell a good story. And I think that's what they did. No, so and I think and I, and I, that lens though is troubling because it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, these kids shouldn't, you don't want to be taught. You shouldn't want to be taught, you know, but yeah, yeah. And I think the main reason it's not so much that um, those character arcs exist or the, the characters exist in the way that they do. Um, and, and, you know, I, all the stuff you said makes sense. The, I think the issue that I keep seeing in shows like this and other media like this is the fact that when you throw in magic of one sort or another that makes people like children or women or whatever more competent in battle than your run-of-the-mill man it totally throws off all of the gender roles necessarily like obviously like if this world works like that this is how it would go but it's just it's just a troubling not accurate picture of our world um, that never gets um th- there's never a lantern that gets hung on that right, right. There, there's never a moment where the show points out in some meaningful good philosophical way the problems with that um it just assumes them as reality even though that's not our reality and it can be 
harmful, I feel, to people just watching a show like that and taking the moral lessons of, as a woman, I can do whatever I want, not realizing that the thing that made the women in the show able to do whatever they wanted was magic powers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah. Wait, so you're saying that waterbending doesn't exist? Uh, yeah, I was sorry. Saying, I, 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 no. I was doing the dishes the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I made one of the water droplets move. <laughs> All right. Strange person. You know, we haven't gotten out much recently. <laughs> <laughs> Connor's starting to see things. <laughs> so one one aspect uh, I think we should talk about, and I'll, I'll pass this question to you guys, um, but because I've been talking a lot, but um, something to talk about, I think, is the spirituality aspect of the show. Um, cause it doesn't yeah. come from a Christian perspective at all in that sense, yeah. right? Like it's, it's very Asian mythology, Asian spirituality kind of centered. What, what Pan are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Pants or an illusion. Show is death. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the line. There were so many lines in that show that I, I would just turn to Mickey and be like, I say that a lot. And as soon as, as soon as the swamp guy was like, Pants or an illusion. So is death, I was like, I say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, I think the original line is time is an illusion and so is death. And exactly. Goes, are an illusion. It's like, what? Uh yeah, but uh I agree. And I think I think uh um kind of how we're how we're uh, dissecting this show is kind of how we would dissect a show watching it with our children. Um yeah. you know, like teaching the children, you know, honey. I know you want to be like Katara, but you can't, you can't waterbend. So your ability is, is a lot more limited. And, <laughs> and uh, same with, uh, <clears throat> same with, uh, you know, the spirituality aspect of it too, is you have characters like Swamp Guy, who quite literally, the lesson he teaches the children is that death doesn't, is just, just doesn't happen. Death is an illusion. We're all connected in the same giant spirit web. So death is just another path that on that spirit web. And it all is just one big jumble of things. Right. And it's like, okay, first of all, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to communicate. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I get that. I get that the kids think he's some sort of spiritual guru and just take his word for it without thinking it through. But what does that mean? So it's like, you know, those are the types of things you would, you would try to dissect with your children. You know, and this is where our children will get upset and be like, why do we have to talk about presuppositionalism again, dad? I mean, we're just trying to watch Aang slice some vines, all right? It's, it's all good. But uh, yeah. Yeah, the spirituality aspect of it for sure has a, a very uh, Eastern... Um, Eastern Asian know, philosophy sort of take. Yeah. Yeah. and, and which, which is fine because it's a magical universe. Yeah. But, but again, if, if your children are watching the show and they aren't discerning through and think that Avatar is teaching them real life lessons, because it does teach them real life lessons mm-hmm. as well. Um, you can't teach them about God and a proper worldview. But the reason I was going earlier is because I think it can teach people a, uh, um, an eschatological worldview based off awesome. of the last episode. Explain. As, as, uh, as, okay, so so I, I'm kind of changing the subject. So if you want to talk more about the spirituality aspect, yeah, yeah, I feel it. like we should we should touch on it a little bit, um, a little bit more. So, uh, <laughs> I I think that like 
this show doesn't push Eastern Asian philosophy as much as it could, not nearly as much as it could. Uh, um, so the, it, it's mostly mm-hmm. there to be kind of like world building kind of filler it is, stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. And, and so it never felt overbearing and like it was mm-hmm. pushing a certain agenda or anything. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, this is what this character would believe. Of course, this random guru in the mountains would think that yeah. you have to unlock all the chakras. Um, <laughs> and it worked, obviously, in that world. <laughs> the Avatar stage. Yeah. So one of the things that I just thought of based on that is so Aang has to like let go of Katara, right? To like be in the Avatar state. But at the end of the show, he doesn't like, like yeah. what, what is the actual, what, 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 at what point does he actually unlock that chakra? And why is it suddenly okay that he can just be married? Cause all the other avatars are married. So like, what was the point of that whole thing? <laughs> what was, right. it? was it? He just had to let her go and then he could have it at the end. And I think that's kind of the idea they were going for, but I don't think there was ever a moment where they actually got that like solved where it was like, yes, you you have to let her go. But look, now that you've let her go, now you don't have a fear of her dying. And now you can be with her without, you know, these strings attached. I think that was what they were trying to go for. No. I Watching that episode. So oh. Mickey and I are watching it, right? We get to the Guru episode. Mickey's like on the verge of falling asleep. And I'm like analyzing. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like analyzing every single thing he says about the chakras. Because uh-huh. I'm like... Okay, is he Gotta trying to push out. his spirituality or is he fleshing out the worldview, uh, not the worldview, the, the world building of the Avatar state? And I, I concluded there are some legitimate life lessons about letting go and and, and uh, dealing with past hurts and emotional trauma. And I'm like, this is solid stuff. And the reason this exists in this magical world, and this is great magic world building for the Avatar state, because his avatar state powers is directly tied to his, his emotional morality. And like, that's great. I love that. That's such a great magic system, but you can't, you can't be like, Oh, I got to free my chakras. So, so I, I genuinely think it's not a worldview. It's just, it's, it's world building, but um, that, that's, that's a catchy way of, of putting that. We can do that for future episodes too. Is it world? Is it a worldview or world building? Huh? huh? I like that. Anyway. So um, as soon as you get to the last chakra, I'm like, I like literally, I think I like paused it and was like, okay, but wait a second. Because he said to let go of her. And then is like, no, it's fine. Um, or no, he, she said, he said to love her. Sorry. He said to love her. And then it's like, well, now you have to let go of her. And, and he was like three, three chakras ago. And me loving Katara was a good thing. Why is it bad now? And I genuinely right. think the guru just didn't take the time to explain to the kid because he, he was caught up in, I'm an adult. I'm the spiritual authority here. You got to listen to me. And so he doesn't take the time to explain what he means. He just thinks he's challenging his authority by asking questions. And so he, he's like, all right, well, you just, no, you just got to let her go. But I think what's actually going on there is not that loving Kratar is a bad thing because that wasn't a bad thing three yeah. chakras ago, right? But um, it's that he needs to value her less then he values the fate of the world. And as soon as he can see, mm. um, as soon as he can mm. let go of his emotional attachment to Katara over the world, as in, if you pick between the love of your life and the fate of the world, like you as the avatar, you can't pick your wife. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you are the only person that can do this. Yeah. So you have to pick the world over the, you, this is the one situation where a human being has to pick the pragma, pragmatic viewpoint 
and save the world rather than save the individual. You can't focus on the individual. I think that's what he's trying to teach him there, but he just doesn't take the time to explain it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's why you get that feeling where you're like, okay, but why is the chakra work now? Because you just have to read into it of, okay, what did we learn from all the other chakras? Well, this is good. And what is the chakra that he's, he has to give up? What was it like? uh, What was it called? I don't remember. Because there was, there was the, each, each one had a specific thing. I think it, that one was uh, at the base of the, the crown of the head. And I think it was, uh, I forget what it was, but uh, I think that tied into the, my reasoning onto that as well. But I can't remember. I can find them right now. Are you Googling it? The avatar wiki. Of course. Um, let's see. The last chakra was the thought chakra. Yeah. Uh, Aang was asked to meditate on what attached him to the earth. Only, uh, and only images of Katara came to mind. Patik stated that Aang needed to let go and forget his attachments. Taken back, Aang questioned how he could let go of Katara. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. It was eventually unlocked for good when Aang was pushed by Ozai's firebending attack into a jagged rock. The point pushed against his scar and released the pent up energy locked there, and allowing him to enter into the Avatar state. Also, right. why was that the thing that finally? I don't, I, I disagree with uh, that. Um, I disagree with that answer on the Wikipedia and considering that's a Wikipedia and not made by the creators. I, I don't think that's true. Cause I, I think that's, I think it's awful world building. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think, I think it was a, it was a legitimate physical and spiritual thing. It had nothing to do with the chakras. It was a, as a legitimate physical and spiritual thing where his body was opened up while he was in the avatar state, he quite literally died and we had the threat of if you get killed in the avatar state, you can't go into like all the oh, avatar right. die. You can't go into the avatar state. So, so that's the connection there. Where as soon as he gets hit, hit in the back of his spine, there, his <laughs> his uh, like not chakras realign or whatever, but uh, the the pl- part of his body that was destroyed is like replaced, and so his spirit can like reignite. Which obviously we're not Gnostics here. We're actually anti-Gnostics, so <laughs> makes perfect sense for us. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's legitimately what it was. It was like uh, Chad is also saying, and some would say that energy bending taught by Big Turtle Lion Boy might have by- bypassed it. So that actually might have had something to do with it too. The 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 kind of yeah. lesson he learned from the Lion Turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, so anyway, we're getting so, into this. What, what were you going to talk about earlier, Connor? Why did you get so, the face? Okay, so I think I think it gives. Uh, I think I think the analogy of Aang being Jesus and defeating Ozai is defeating Satan. I think I think I think that's a legitimate analogy you can make with how it ends, because um, Aang defeats the Fire Lord, right? And rather than being like, all right, violence is the answer. He's like, he's like, no, I'm going to take away his bending and we're going to restore balance to the world. And we're going to fix the whole planet now. And, and we're going to start this slow process of, of not just ending the war, but, but finishing off the rest of the enemies, you know, which is like hunger and, you know, all, all these things. And we're going to help repair the world. And so the idea of Aang being like, <laughs> I'm going to take away your power and not allow you to do anything. That's, that's legitimately what happened with, with Jesus. I mean, that's what uh, Kenneth Gentry would say is essentially Satan has been castrated 
Right. And uh, and he's still quote unquote alive, but he's been defeated. And um, there will be an issue again before the end of time. So that idea, I, I just had that realization of like, even the fact that Aang was like, nope, not not going to kill you. And every, like, like at first, that's maddening. It's literally yeah. maddening. Like Mickey, mm-hmm. yeah. while we're that, watching that the episode. <laughs> yeah, I was furious. <laughs> yeah, um, I, uh, Mickey was like, I was like all excited about it and was, it was all like pumped up and then, and then he like he like catches the lightning and I'm like, are you ready, Mickey? Are you ready? And he like points it at her and points it at Ozai. And he's just like, no. And Mickey was like, what? She was like, no, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You're an idiot. And I was like, yes, this is so good. But but when but when you realize that he is like, no, I want to do the I don't want to go against my conscience and kill this person. Yep. I want to take away the power for him to be able to hurt anybody so that he has a chance of redemption too, just like his son. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, that's the best thing Aang could have done because, because he yeah. has the ability to not kill him. Exactly. And chose, right. and chose the way of, I don't have to kill you. And I'm going to, I'm going to pick that ideal. It's like, it's like watching Trigun. It's like you watch Trigun and you're like, this is awesome because nobody's, nobody's getting killed because he's just that good. Whereas if he wasn't that good, he would be obligated morally to kill these people yep. in order to prevent innocent deaths. Where Aang, he's not obligated because he beats the crap out of Ozai. Yep. And like, he is able to do that and then take away his bending so he can't hurt anybody. Because the so, main the main issue with a situation like that is you're being like irresponsible and reckless and and sinful by not putting down the threat, right? But if you have the ability to do so without killing then that is a viable option for you to take as long as you actually have the ability to do so, right? It's just, you're not sacrificing um, re- like something you literally can't accomplish for an ideal that's unattainable, right? Um, or I said that wrong, but you know what I mean? You're, you're not sacrificing something you could accomplish that, and that would solve the problem uh, for an ideal that's unattainable and you you, anyway. I don't need to explain anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, just kind of like watching the series again, having the, the like, um, contra- not the contrary opinions, the, uh, um, the negative opinions of the ending of the show where Aang should have killed Ozai. And that's, and that's the message that the children need to hear. You know what I mean? Is that it's not about you. It's about the fate of the world. And I'm like, like at one point in time, it's like, yes, that's true. With a point where Aang is getting all this advice from the avatars and they're saying, you need to kill Ozai. Don't make the same mistake we did. That That's true. Until yeah. Aang gets an arbitrary anime power up that allows him to not have to kill him. And that's the greater moral to the story is that he can he can a- achieve the ideal. And as so long as he has the ability. obligated to be able to do so. Yeah. Yeah whoa 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 think about the spiritual connections of that that's what i'm that's why i said it no no no. specifically with us as human beings like right we are obligated because we now have the spirit i mean we were obligated before you know to to still do it, but we couldn't it was impossible but now we are we have the ability to actually carry out the high ideals of scripture right because we are given the ability to. 
which is why now tying back back into eschatology and how Aang saved the world and then decided to, you know, uh, not just stop the bad guy from killing the world, but also fix the world and make it a perfect utopia. Um, one, once we realize that we as Christians are able to achieve the Great Commission, that's when we are able um, able to justify taking risk and, and making those big movements as the church to achieve the Great Commission and actually accomplish that. Whereas if we think the world is just going to slowly dissolve and decay and there's no point to um, Christian history, we're not going to attempt to fulfill the Great Commission because we just become lazy Christians <laughs> who, who, don't, who are like, well, the world's going to die anyway, so what's the point? Mm-hmm. And, and having that hope of a post-millennial eschatology allows Christians to actually obey the Great Commission by virtue of hope. Yeah, so just like to specify here, we are not saying that the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender are actually meant for any of the things that we <laughs> yeah. just said to be communicated because they did not. Um, Common grace just allowed gospel truths to be evident within right. it. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, all human beings understand God's story innately, right? We understand the reason why the universe was created, even if we lie to ourselves about it. And so there's a reason why stories that end with the hero saving the world is appealing to humans. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. Um, speaking of world building though, too, just one note, Avatar has phenomenal world building in like a bajillion different ways. Um, an illusion. I mean, what, can, what can we say? What else, what else do you need for us to say? To well, prove that they have world platypus like, so bears. Yeah, like, dude, all of the animals, all the animals are so, so cool. Fun. Yeah. It's so fun fair. to like, guess at what the combinations are when you see them on screen before anyone names them. Yes. <laughs> did, did Mickey did not like the animals? No, at first she was like, oh, "That's so stupid. Why is it not just a normal animal?" And uh, but she she liked it later. Yeah, yeah it, gro- <laughs> it grows on you. It's, I think I think people accept it when you get to Bossing Say, and yep. they're like a platypus bear. No, it just says bear. Surely you mean an armadillo <laughs> bear? Bear. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's when people accept it as cool world building about the world is when they make mm-hmm. fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so highly recommended show. Um, take take various parts of it with a grain of salt, like you would do anything not made by a Christian or things made by a Christian, honestly, at this point. Um, um yeah, honestly, take more things, <laughs> take take more salt when you watch something that a Christian made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl's or Mickey, do you guys have any other last thoughts? Um, one of the things that stood out to me in the last season was specifically the reveal of what happened to Katara's mom. Mm. Specifically, yeah. Um, because I was like, yeah, that's what like sacrificial parenting is supposed to look like when mm. you're put in that kind of situation where it's your daughter's life or yours, and you have the power to save your daughter then like that's yeah that's probably the best um course of action um and it it kind of connects to thoughts that i have just about abortion specifically in the medical circumstances where Mm -hmm. you know either the mother or the child are at risk which 
You know, there are very few circumstances where it's actually the case that you can't save both or at least one or the other. Like, um, and just the, the insistence from feminists that the woman's wife, the woman's wife, the woman's life automatically takes priority over the child um, mm-hmm. is something that always makes me mad because I'm like, well, if I was in the position of having a child that, um, you know, puts my life at risk, if I were to actually deliver that child, I would rather face the possibility for harm to come to me than to kill that child in order that I might continue living. Like that's, and so that just, that scene for me was very like, um, I don't know, just a very good example of sacrificial parental love um, on Katara's mother's part. Yeah. Which I think in, in my fan fiction, that's the, that's the arc that Katara eventually realizes and takes is she realizes those, um, those truths and the, the example that her mother set for her and realizes what being a woman is all about and makes that makes that uh, character change. I, I genuinely think that's how the story turns out is is that way. You know what I mean? Be, because you see the trajectory of her character arc, for, especially in season three of being like an angsty, like little brat who's like, you know, Zuko's evil, he's still evil. And, and like, and then having that realization of, no, I need to grow up. I'm ready to forgive you. I'm, I need to grow up. And, and, and now that I think about it, also the same thing on Zuko's mom's part. Yes. With her mm-hmm. literally just being willing to get banished and leave her family because she knew it would save her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of good like family sacrifice stuff mm-hmm. in... Right, which... Which shows you, I think, you know, even though my hero does it better, there still is that mentorship aspect yeah. to those characters, but they're just orphans. And so mm-hmm. that's why you have those where they're not the the learned characters we want them to be. When they're not the great role models we want them to be, because that's what happens when you have fatherless children. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which is exactly yeah. what they have. And because of the war, <laughs> Katara and Sokka can't be fathered by their dad, mm-hmm. and he doesn't or know really how to be any a men because all of the men yeah. Yeah. literally yeah. Yes. <laughs> laughed. Yeah. So so that's that's the you know they they honestly they realistically play out their characters in the way that it would be and the same thing with Aang you know even though he gets attached to like everybody you know he's like he's like you're my dad now you're my dad now <laughs> you know like like uh, he's getting mentored by all these people and he's always so eager to learn and like be a good student, you know, which is, which is great. It's a great part on Aang's part. And I mean, that's for Sokka though, too. I mean, he's so humble about his master, all those things. I feel like, I feel like the kids really do understand the, how they are children and they need to be humble in the side of authority. Yeah. And, and they do that well. At, at the very least at the end, by the end just, of the show, they all understand that. I yes. think. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think, I think, my hero does it better because there are more adults present, mm-hmm. which allows them to actually be molded and shaped as children more. Yeah. Did, did we, did we, does everyone here on um, 
team Aang and Katara or any weirdos here that thinks Zuko and Katara should have ended up together? Uh, I am Zutara for life. Are you really? Yes, you knew this. No, I I knew that you had recently changed. Took it that, to but, my core. I figured after you washed again, always been Zutara. Always Why? been Zutara. Because Aang and this just just doesn't make any sense. Like they there was no real <laughs> chemistry between them at any point. Um it, it the <laughs> they had a very, very good friendship. Like they were obviously very good friends. They cared about each other a lot. I sensed no romantic like i always sensed romantic inclinations from you too connor nikki <laughs> come on there was always that hint of maybe it will happen um yeah i because i we watched it with jared and jerica and both of them were very much so like team like Zuko yeah. and Katara. Jerrica was Team Zuko and Katara because she loves the bad boys and she <laughs> wanted to find something to make fun of the show for. And, and so she was always looking for something to ridicule the show about. And so when it got to the point where Jared suggested that Zuko and Katara should be together, she was like, oh, the show is obviously trying to make you think that Aang and Katara belong together. Therefore, I'm going to say that they don't. So that I have some way to rip on the show more, and, and uh, that's that's good. Uh, Jerrica and Jared's way of watching the show together. So <laughs> yeah, it really is, isn't it? So that's why they thought that. But Carly, what did you think? Um, I, I mean, I started out thinking Katara and Aang, just because I hated Zuko's character at the beginning. Um, but then as he as changed, I was like, okay, no, I think, especially with just her, her anger at him after, you know, she thinks she can trust him. And then like he, he betrays him again. Um, and then him coming back into him or rather coming into their group, um, was just very telling of like how, you know, how much she valued that she thought she could trust him. So I thought that was interesting. Okay. All right. But yeah. okay. Let, let's analyze this. I, I'm, I'm like, sitting like, oh. <laughs> so I, as, as far as, as much as I would like to continue to analyze this, I would actually prefer that we kind of wrap up the episode here in a little bit because my groceries okay. have arrived at the front door yeah. and I kind of need to go grab um, them. <laughs> okay. Well, well ju just real quick. I yeah, didn't want to point out that, um, if we're talking about, uh, I'm sorry, who delivered your groceries to your Walmart? Oh, what? Why I, for free? No, not for free. But I could not figure. I needed groceries today, and I was literally going to be busy all day. And so I was like, I'm just going to have them deliver it to me because I can't. I li I need food, and I can't get it today. So all right. All right. Anyway, how much? How much are delivery fees for Walmart? It's like ten bucks. Okay. I guess that's not horrible. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do it every time, but yeah. So okay, so Zuko and Katara, basically, Carly, what you just said, and and, and I hope this isn't taken as hostile towards you. Okay. I'm, I'm up on my tippy toes right now. I'm a chair, but I'm not hostile towards you. Uh, Zuko and Katara, what you just said is basically Zuko broke Katara's heart. Therefore, they deserve to be together because that's more interesting as a soap opera rather than Aang, who who stays loyal to Katara the whole time through all of her angst 
he deserves her love and affection more and she he is a more reliable person excuse me no man deserves a woman's love and affection no (laughs) he absolutely deserves katara's love and affection because he was there standing by her side the whole time as she figured out her emotions and figured out what she wanted and even when she was like i'm gonna go kill this guy because i need revenge Aang's like, no, you don't need revenge. And Zuko was like, yeah, she does. Give the girl what she wants. And then afterwards, he's like, no, you are right. That's not what she needed. And and that right there is Zuko saying, you deserve Katara. Oh, my not- gosh. No, it wasn't. No, I don't think that at all. I don't think that at all. But, uh, but, but if anything, if there was a time where, where Zuko had feelings for Katara and decided not to pursue that, which obviously he doesn't, it would be then where Zuko was like, I gave her bad advice. I broke her heart. I'm the one who portrayed her. You're the one who deserves to have her heart. You're the one who's more trustworthy and reliable with this person's heart and protecting this person than I am. And I think Aang is the more trustworthy and reliable person for Katara. No, I agree. And that's why they are a better couple. I agree. I, I mean, I think I'd even agree with that because if I was in Katara's situation... At least with my personality, I'd go with Aang over Zuko, but that's just because I would never go with someone like Zuko. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> just because of his personality. But I yeah. feel like Katara, like their personalities would actually mesh in a really interesting way. Yeah. Um, no, I think their personalities would, would mesh, for sure. The, the, the main <laughs> thing for me is it's not that it wasn't a good match, because it was, but the show itself was kind of bleh in actually like pursuing that as a viable plot line. It was just kind of like at the end, they just, no, 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 uh, Aang and Katara. At the end, they just kind of get together, right? The only time they really ever talk about will they, won't they, is that one scene in the Ember Island players. That's it. No, I thought that was, I, I thought that was perfectly done with the end scene where Katara literally, you don't even, you don't even see her thoughts. You just literally see it in her eyes and a little bit of a twinkling with the music and you're like, ah, she has this moment where she realizes that that uh, Aang, like, like how could she, how could she not like want to be a part of the life of this guy who is, who has been this guy throughout this whole time. And now that it's finally peace and there's no war anymore. She, she's like, what do I want to do now? And she's like, of course I want to go with a guy that I can trust with my life. You have, you have that moment. And it, that's why it's, I think it's so beautiful and perfect at the end there, because you don't need words to explain uh, why she chooses Aang, because it's so obvious throughout the whole series. You get this, you get this point where it's like, obviously, obviously Aang is the better guy for Katara and Katara's like I just don't know I don't know what I'm feeling and Aang is like throwing himself at her like why don't you know I love you it's all we're fine and and Katara's like I don't know there's just wartime and I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel and then as soon as you get to the end there she just has this realization of no of course I think maybe part of the reason I didn't like it as much is honestly I think Aang was too desperate um like his his interactions with Katara romantically, oh, <laughs> his inter- his interactions with uh with Katara. Sorry, Thomas keeps saying things, and I have to be like Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> he does Give that. Give the man a microphone. <laughs> I I was about to agree because 
I feel like we don't get much of anything from Katara's perspective of like yeah. who she's even into at all. Yeah. And so when Aang is like, well, what are we then? And she's just like, well, I don't know. I can't really have an opinion on that right now because we're in the middle of a war and I'm kind of preoccupied with things. Like it just kind of seems to me like she doesn't, like she's not as invested as Aang is at yeah. all in wanting that kind of relationship. It just, it um, seems. says that she does want a part of it. <laughs> so, so the, but this is the thing, like it, it seems a bit toxic, right? Like, and I, and I've seen relationships like this where the guy's like, very very head over heels for this girl and the girl is like okay with the relationship but like doesn't won't won't really invest anything more than that in it and so like i'm just looking at that i'm like this isn't a good match just in terms of like their dynamics right now and maybe ang changes and becomes more of like a firm masculine figure but like at, at that point it was so like it just felt weird to me because it was like yeah. Katara basically just being like, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll be in love with you now, even though I've given you basically no hint the entire rest of the show that I'm at all interested, except for the one time I blushed when we kissed. Yes, but that was Connor. <laughs> they traveled for so long together there should have been something else besides they were that. children they were yeah children they were horny were. preteens no Aang is 12 guitar is 14 right no i think guitar is 13 she's 14. 14 yeah they're 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 like the season four is where they're horny <laughs> i mean it was kind of season three but yeah no I, I disagree. All right, all right. Again, my my main I mean, point. I literally tried to kiss her was after she super. said, "I don't know." What exactly, exactly. That's <laughs> that's horny. What do you expect from her? No. Apparently, they expected more, Connor. I no, I I legitimately expected more. Katara is not good enough for Aang. No, okay. That's I that's my that. final position on that, right? I, I Aang is Aang is definitely way too good for Katara, but Katara's not good enough for Aang. Aang deserves better than Katara. Okay, but what do we know about their characters in like like the fan fiction or slash Legend of Korra in the future? We know that Aang becomes more of a man and Katara becomes more of a mother. I guess so. It all worked out, but yeah. It, yeah. from 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 the show that we saw, Connor, it gave me a bad feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I was almost in a relationship like that, where it was like, where it was like, I'm head over heels, and the girl is like, I don't know, but she really knew. But anyway, <laughs> and, and so I, I totally get that. <laughs> and, and so I totally get that the the hesitation for why and Katara should be together. Yeah. But I think Katara has that realization. I think that's what we get. And that's I think that's why we don't get words from it. Because it would take another episode or two for them to figure out the nuance. Yeah. But yet the point of their love story was Katara didn't know because she was in the middle of a war. And then once as soon as they got out of war, it was time for peacetime. And it was time to figure out what I want to do with my life. And so the obvious answer is the person who's guarded my heart this whole time. Connor, I, I think I think that you just identified too much with Aang <laughs> and what needed him to have that like end thing. 
No, <laughs> I'm. I'm just. I'm just messing with you at this point. Yeah, I. I again, I, as cool as I think both of them. I think both of them are viable. Like, if the show had gone differently, I feel like Zutara would have been a very viable ending. Obviously, the show didn't go that way, and so if they had just randomly done that at the end, it wouldn't have worked. Um, I. I still think they could have done more work on Ang, Ang and Katara's relationship to make it work better at the end. But yeah. My dog is making so much noise out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, so so just to kind of wrap it up. So yeah. obviously we talked about uh, <laughs> we talked about something in the beginning. I kind of want to ask Mickey the same questions we asked Carly. Was mm, like, yeah. What was your favorite season? Oh, um, probably season probably season one. Really? Yeah. What? I feel really? like you were the first person who has ever said that. <laughs> Why season one? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like learning about characters. That's and fair. I like, hmm. I like, now I'm trying to remember exactly what happened in season one. Like, so season every single, one was- I'm not like you, like you, you have, you've seen it so many times. Yeah. I've watched it one time and was falling asleep through some of it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, like, I, I like learning about characters and I like, I'm trying to now hold on. So, so season one was where they were traveling to the North Pole, and then they had the big siege with the firebenders and the ice castle place. Where is which season do they go to where Aang was from, hailed from? The, like, the first season. Yeah. yeah the, so the I very like the very first season, like episode three, where they go to where he like. Um. No, where they like. Yeah. Wait. Where they realize like. All the airbenders are dead. Yeah. No. No. Where they like, where the other people have taken over the temple. Yeah. Yeah. That's also season one. Yep. It's a different yeah. different temple they go to, but yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. You like like that episode a lot. It's a good episode for Aang. I just liked yeah. season one. <laughs> no, 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 that makes sense. It's just people don't usually say season one, so. Yeah, I think all three of us think season three was the best, just because it's like the climax of everything. So I was, I was just trying, I was curious as to why That's the reasoning. Yeah, season one was your favorite. Okay. What's your favorite okay. character, Mickey? Um. Yeah, probably just Ang, which is like mm. boring, but. I like He's a very good character. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a, there's a lot of protagonists that can be really boring to watch and ang isn't one of them right like it, a lot of protagonists are just like foil uh, uh like foils for all of the interesting side characters where it's just like here's a normal person here's all the interesting people and like the but but that's not <laughs> ang right ang, ang has the most interesting moral quandaries mm-hmm. uh except for maybe zuko i think zuko obviously has right. the most moral quandaries but um, maybe season three is my favorite only because Zuko is less the least annoying in that season <laughs> and I really yeah. got irritated every single time Zuko was so annoying and yeah. like the beginning part of the show because I was like oh my gosh this kid yeah. I can't <laughs> he makes horrible life decisions just all of the time yeah see, see that's why I thought you liked season three the best because when when we were watching season three though so to be fair you started being like, let's watch more Avatar around season, late season two and in, in season three. Whereas before, I, I was kind of like, you want to watch Avatar? And I feel like you kind of were like, all right, let's watch Avatar. 
know. But but for for when Zuko turns good, Mickey was like, oh, this is so exciting. Let's watch the next episode. So I was <laughs> like, yes. She had the same reaction where like Zuko's following yeah. them on the air balloon. Mm. And and Mickey was like, let's watch the next episode. I'm so excited because he's turning good. He's yeah. gonna go join him. And so I was like, ah, yes, Mickey under M- Mickey is having the same reactions that I had. You know what I mean? Actually, so. my favorite character is the moon. You <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. My first girlfriend turned to the moon. That's rough. Buddy. <laughs> That's rough, buddy. <laughs> oh wait, no. Yeah, no. Just kidding. Ang's my favorite. Second favorite. <laughs> Is Momo. <laughs> <laughs> I love Momo. Mickey, did Connor ever... Ex- identify as Momo? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Connor, did you ever explain to Mickey that uh, a an actual voice actor does the voices for both Aang, or for both Momo and Appa? Did you not know what? that? Yeah. Oh, a guy named D. Bradley Baker. You can look it, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> D. Bradley Baker does the voices for Appa and Momo. That's, yeah, that's that's a, a human <laughs> mouth making those noises. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. You, you, like, you never watched any of the feature the special features on the DVDs that we got? What's yeah, wrong with I you? Special features yeah, sure. that was on there. That's why, that's why I know that uh, the, the creators talked about as soon as they made Zuko's hair in episode at season three, episode five, the beach. They were like, "Yeah, that was the farthest his hair could go." We knew after that he needed a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> The, crit- the creators literally were like, "Yeah, we went overboard with his hair on this episode." <laughs> it down after That's why in the Amber Island players are like, "Zuko, your hair has gotten out of control." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I-, I I didn't tell you this though. I don't think either. They-, they like for the Ember Island players episode that was quite literally like it was a joke. Like like that was one of the episodes they had like pitched for season three. And they were like, no, that's too ridiculous. We, we couldn't do that. And then <laughs> they were coming down to the wire and they were like, we actually want one more episode because they had originally planned for each season to have exactly 20 episodes. Yeah. And they were like, actually, it might be cool to have season three have one extra episode. And so they were trying to figure out what other episode they could put in there. And they came back to the Ember Island players where they go watch a play of themselves. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? This actually could work really well. And 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 so then when they made that, they like a lot of the scenes were them making fun of themselves. Whereas uh, remember when the kid runs around and like looks at Zuko and he's like, it's a nice Zuko costume, but your scar's on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. He's like, the scar's not on the wrong side. So there's a scene, I think in season two, maybe it's season one, where they accidentally switched the scar on his oh face. My God. And so and so there's legitimately a scene where the scar is actually on the wrong side. It's like it's like one second scene oh, or something like right. that. Yeah. I think it's like like zoomed out too. That's funny. And so they literally are like, your scar's on the wrong side. It scars not on the wrong side. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, so I don't know why I started ranting about that. Caleb's groceries are melting. We should let him go. Yeah. I think that's probably a good enough place as any to wrap up this episode. Thanks for coming on, Mickey, and, and talking to us about uh, good old Avatar. That's fun. Uh, great show. Highly recommended. Take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt like you would anything. But uh, very good. Very good show. All right. I think that's it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show and, our we- and at our website at Christian Artist Show Dot com. If you did, for some random reason, want to send us an email, you could send us an email <laughs> at christianartistshow at gmail.com. <laughs> Feel free to do so if you would like. Um, we got a fun lineup of streams this week. 
We're doing Hellbreaker sequence tomorrow at our new regular time for uh, the... I used to call them the Monday group, then I called them the Thursday group, then I called them the Friday group, and then I called them the Sunday group, and now they are the Tuesday group. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're the uh, um, the employed group. The <laughs> you're insulting every other person who does streams with me. All of them are employed, except for Carly and Maria. <laughs> but we're also full time. Exactly. Yeah, full time exactly. students. So you, you have a pass. No, yeah. just yeah. No, it's, we've had, we we are the conflict group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, conflict issue group is really the name of our group. But yeah. I, I wanted to temper it in a nicer way by saying we're the employed group. I didn't mean to insult everybody else by saying you also insulted not, me. Not, not well, yeah, <laughs> but, but I was trying to say that they're not employed. I was trying to say that. Uh... <laughs> anyway, we have a Hellbreaker sequence tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh thursday we have terranolius coming back to terranolius that'll be fun friday we should have death under madness and uh that's it i mean i'm, I'm sure that we'll, connor and jared and i will probably fill it fit into baldur's gate stream at some point this week as well if we can find the time um but uh, yeah full full week of streaming ahead i'm excited for it but for now we're done adios have a good night see you later